We've been dealing with everybody from Khadija and to Phyllis from Visions. Very impressed with the organization. Very yes. impressed with the individuals that you have working for the organization and the and the individuals that you sent over for the um, internships and the volunteers. Um, great people. Everybody that we've met so far. So we just had to sit down and catch up with the CEO of Visions. <laughs> uh, my pleasure. It's great to meet you. Thank you, you thank you, thank you. Yes. And so um, we're very, man, just once again, you know, we're very impressed with the website, all the things that you guys do in the community. And we just want to hear from you firsthand. Um, but prior to that, I got to introduce Nikki, which okay. is the other co-founder. I, you know, me and you've been communicating, but obviously you haven't met her yet. Um, but I right. feel like I know you because I've done so much research. <laughs> I saw your videos um, with, uh, I think it's a uh, Free Talk Radio. Yes. Uh, that was yeah. a wonderful awesome. interview, awesome. let me just tell you. Awesome. So I was very impressed. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Okay. Well, okay. So just kind of, excuse me. We try hard. I see Doing it. A great I see job, it. Actually. And you guys been in business since like 1929, from what I understand. 1926. Yeah. 1926. 26. Very, very impressive. So let's get started, Nancy. Tell us a little bit about you um, and tell us as much as you can about the organization. Sure. Uh, pleasure to speak to you and your audience. Uh, I have been the CEO of Visions for 32 years. I started as CEO in 1987, but I actually started working for the organization when I was a college student. And it was my summer job working at Visions Center on Blindness in 1971. And I fell in love with the organization and the work that we do, the fact that we were so um, multicultural that the founders of the organization back in 1926 welcomed everybody, all races, ethnicities. Uh, so we've been a multicultural, diverse organization since our founding. And I worked at the organization during the summers while I was in college and then while I was in graduate school for social work. And I was hired as a social worker in 1975. So I really moved up the ranks. I started mm -hmm. as a, you know, a temporary employee. Uh, I left the agency in 1982 when I was the director of VCB. Uh, because I had young kids and I needed to have a job that was more nine to five. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I worked in a nursing home and then I worked in another blindness agency. And when the CEO position opened, my board called me and asked if I would apply. So it was, it's really been my, my life's work, my life's career. Um, I love the things that the agency does. Uh, I think we're unusual mm. in that we've been growing, but growing very slowly over the years that I've been affiliated. Usually we grow about um, two to three percent a year in budget and in staffing. Uh, but in 2017, we built a new vocational rehabilitation center for youth mm -hmm. age 18 to 21 right. to give them the skills they needed to get into the workforce. And at that point, 
are, we really grew. We added a million dollars to our budget and our budget is now 10.6 million wow. with 65 wow. full-time staff and 41 part-time staff mm. speaking 16 different languages uh, representing the diversity of New York City. As you can imagine, this has been a really difficult time for all of us. Yes, um, I could imagine. With the killing of George Floyd, yes. with the pandemic uh, being centered in New York City. Um, we have a lot of LGBTQ staff and participants that we serve. And this is Pride Month and it couldn't be celebrated in the same way. Right. And we have the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act coming up in July. Yeah, yeah. So the different staff and different populations have been uh, vacillating between certain joyous occasions mm -hmm. and some of the worst uh, situations that we've confronted and and needing to look at it very carefully you know i'm a white woman of privilege but i have a biracial granddaughter and my daughter-in-law is black and latina wow. and so in my own family mm -hmm. all these different emotions that have been gathering around black lives matter about all of the um the, the terrible death that has occurred, some at the hands of the authority mm -hmm. and some at the hands of this virus. And so it's been- and some at the hands of people who are protested as well. There's yeah. a lot of people getting hurt in the streets um, who are part of these protests. And, um, and we have to look at both sides of the coin because I do understand the whole George Floyd thing, which is a terrible thing that happened. But now the people are now kind of turning ugly themselves. They're turning- the pain into into anger and that's now forcing them to you know just hurt other people which i think is terrible as well so right the way yeah. it affects our blind community is that there's a lot of fear of going out mm -hmm. there's fear of the virus mm -hmm. there's fear of not knowing where the demonstrations are going to pop up and that restricts people being able to walk in the right. you know across the street or in the sidewalk right, right. Um, and a lot of fear about what the future is yeah. so the work that we've been doing through the pandemic is keeping in touch with all of our blind participants we're calling over 500 people a week just to keep in touch those who have email we communicate through email we're running 50 classes a week remotely mm -hmm. for the homebound blind population, That's great. particularly the older adults. Yeah. And for our youth, we've been running uh, pre-vocational classes remotely, pre-college classes, transition from high school to work. All of these classes move from being in person to being remote. Um, and we're thrilled that the blind youth that we're working with have been able to connect because here in New York City, the New York City Department of Education has given computers 
to anybody yeah. that doesn't have one at home. So everybody has an iPad or a laptop and it's meant that we can now connect with the blind youth. That's not the case for adults and seniors, but because the youth are still in school, they at least have that technology mm -hmm. tool right. with all of the adaptations and the accessibility that they need. So we've been able to keep in touch with our, our youth participants pretty regularly. And they're giving us a lot of feedback about what life is like in their particular neighborhood or community. Um, we've had a lot of blind people who didn't have enough food. And so we've connected them with a free service that New York City is offering for home delivered meals for people who can't get out and then pick up meals at all the local public schools. Mm. So making sure that people are not going hungry right. during this pandemic. That's beautiful. Well, that's wonderful. That's beautiful. And so what type of uh, assistive technology are you seeing that's needed the most? So um, most of our participants use special software. If they're using a laptop or an iPad, they download um, software that either magnifies. Mm -hmm. So if they have a little bit of partial vision, they're able to see the words mm -hmm. or um, a talking software called JAWS where you and I would read it but a totally blind person or a person with limited sight would actually have everything read to them out loud. Yeah. Wow, that's I've great. That. That's I've great, that. Jaws. Yeah, it's a great piece of software, by the way. Yeah, you know. and also in, for people who do have smartphones, and I would say probably 75% of the people that we work with do have a smartphone, but they don't know how to access the accessibility feature that's mm. built into the smartphone. Mm -hmm. The smartphone will magnify, it'll that's talk, true. but you have to know where to find it. So we're doing a lot of remote training. So we may be on the phone or uh, we may be communicating with them to tell them how to use the accessibility features. There are also hundreds of applications that can be downloaded for free or very, very low cost mm -hmm. that um, if you take a photograph of anything, it will read it back to you. So if I were taking your photograph, it would say uh, a man and a woman wearing headphones, mm -hmm. one is wearing khaki, one is wearing beige. It's that specific and it will describe the picture. So if a blind person wants to know what bill they have, they just take the picture and the application reads it back. This is a $5 oh, bill. That's this is great. a $1 bill. Oh, that's great. Um, that's great. But they have to know that the applications are there. And then we help them do the downloads. Wow. Okay. That's and so great. what do you see happening with a lot of the employees? Are the employees still, everybody's working remote within your organization still? Or do you today, have some people that got to come in? Today was the first day that we opened our headquarter offices which are in Lower Manhattan around Canal Street. Okay. Yeah. So we have four staff that came in today. Um, I'm actually doing the interview for the first time in my office since March 18th. Wow. So you were my excuse to come into the <laughs> office today. <laughs> Give you a head start. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. Um, so of all our staff, 
I would say about 80% are going to continue to work remotely this whole summer, at least till Labor Day. They're able to do their jobs completely remotely. And then we have staff that actually go into the home to teach blind people how to be more independent mm-hmm. or teach them mobility skills. Mm-hmm. They're going to start going out into the field on July 7th. That'll be when New York City enters phase three, Mm -hmm. and we feel it'll be safer. But we're providing all the uh, personal protective equipment for both our staff and for our participants. Masks, face shields, gloves, Mm -hmm. sanitizer, chucks, which are um, like pads that you can put down. If you're putting your bag down, you put it down on a chuck. And then you lift the chuck up and you throw it out when you leave. So um, most of our participants are allowing us to come back into the home. Um, We were nervous that people would be reluctant to let our staff in. But when they heard the, the procedures and the protocols that we were taking to keep both the staff and the participants safe, most have said, sure, come back, I'm ready to resume mm-hmm. my lessons or I'm ready to get started. Right. Um, our office will officially open on July 6th, but we're not having any more than 10 people in the office so that we can do social distancing. Mm-hmm. Normally we have 30. So it's about a third of, of what we normally have. So people will stagger. They'll work from home certain days and they'll come into the office only on an as-needed basis. Okay. Only the staff that absolutely have to be here. Well, All of everything. our meetings are going to be by Zoom. Uh, so we're having no in-person meetings at all. Everybody is going to have to wear a mask when they come in and they'll have to fill out a questionnaire that basically gives us their temperature and Mm -hmm. tells us that they have no symptoms and have not been exposed Mm -hmm. as a way of keeping everybody safe. Same with our participants. We're bringing them masks. Anybody in the household during the lesson will have to wear a mask. Um, Any uh, protective equipment that we need them to use, we're bringing and we're supplying it, which is a huge economic financial burden on us. Yeah, I was just about to Nobody's say that. Nobody's paying for that. Mm-hmm. I was just about to say that. It sounds like you're doing everything and anything that you can to keep your people safe, and that's critical. Yeah. Um, right now in Georgia and Florida, our adult day training facilities are still closed. And yeah. so these these students have nowhere to go. They have no social interaction. Um, they have their, of, of course, at-home staff, um, but a lot of them don't even have the daily you know, living um, services. And so they're just basically at home, not really having access to the Internet or computer, just, of course, their cell phones, but not really. A lot of them don't have big, fancy computers with webcams and things like that. So just connecting with their old friends is is a challenge right now for a lot of the consumers that are out there, at least in the states of, um, you know, Georgia and Florida. I know that the ADTs are still closed. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we're just beginning to reopen. Our residential program will reopen on August 3rd. That'll be when we're in phase four. Mm-hmm. And we're lucky here in New York that we've had a consistent downtrend of the virus. That's right. um, and people are wearing masks. You know, I came into the office today 
Everybody on the street was wearing a mask. Everybody in the building where our office is located is wearing a mask. We have sanitizers everywhere. Uh, so people are taking it very, very seriously. And as you probably know, it's the communities of color that have been the hardest hit. Yeah. So we want to make sure that as we go into everybody's apartment and every bit, everybody's neighborhood, that we're helping them to be safe as well. Yes. Because that's where the hot spots of the virus are, are still lingering. So if we need to leave a couple of extra masks for that person to have them during the week, we'll do that. I was just so going to ask that. So, okay, good. Right. That was my que- that was going to be my next question. Do you also supply them? But you answered that. So. And yeah, so, and so, Nancy. And so, Nancy. One thing I really want us to focus on a little bit during this um this interview is is the interns and the volunteers. Great people that we've met so far. Tell our viewers a little bit more about that program and how that works. Sure. So um, we have two different internship programs. Um, one is called work experience training. And that's where blind individuals who are preparing to go into the workforce have internship opportunities with various companies just to get an idea of what it's like to go to work and experience. It could be remote. It can be in person. Most are remote right now, but they're given assignments just like a staff person would be, but it's a learning experience. Mm. And we have anywhere from 20 to 60 blind interns who look for these work experiences during the year to give them an idea of various jobs, different companies to work for, what the expectations are, what's the etiquette at the workplace, um, how to write an appropriate work email as opposed to a personal one, making sure their resumes are up to speed and ready when they wanna go into uh, part-time or full-time work. Um, so it's really a chance for them to experience what a workplace is like. Um, and they've been extremely successful. Um, different organizations, nonprofits, and companies will host our interns. We try to match it with the uh, career interest that the intern has, but sometimes they have no idea what they want to do. So we'll just give them a general experience. Normally it lasts anywhere between 10 and 13 weeks. Some are shorter, depending on how much time they have. And, um, and they're really, this is the beginning of figuring out what they want to do when they're ready to go into work. And then we have the more advanced students or our college students. And they're really looking for internships that are related to what they're studying in college. So they may be um, studying uh, technology. And so we want to hook them up with a technology company. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a number of students that are in law school. So they want to do paralegal work over the summer or during their breaks. So we're the matching group. We match these high school students, college students, and sometimes adults who are new to blindness 
who have worked as sighted people, but they have no idea what kind of job they want to do as a blind person. Mm -hmm. So we'll match them with internships as well. And we do this all year long. And now that so many of the internships are remote and can be done remotely, we'll take uh, work sites anywhere around the country. Anybody who is interested in hosting our interns, um, it's a great experience for the interns. Sometimes they think they want to do something, but then when they actually are placed in that particular company, they say, oh, this isn't what I expected at all. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who wants to be an architect and they think they're going to be building, and then it turns out they're spending 10 hours on a computer because everything is computerized. Yep, yep. And they didn't realize that that was the kind of skill set that they needed. And they say, okay, maybe I want to do something different. But we've been very, very successful. We're number one in job placements of legally blind New Yorkers out of 50 agencies. We've been number one for the past four years. Congratulations. Congratulations. I see why. I see why. I can just, just by dealing with your staff, just by dealing with the individuals, just by reading what you guys are doing in the community, I can see why you're number one. Very, very, um, just once again, I'm very impressed with everything that yeah. you're doing and your organization is is awesome. Um, it's a It sets up a situation where there's a win-win for everybody involved. Yeah. And I also wanted to um, touch basis on the, uh, that just, you know, brought it to my attention that we should cover the caregivers. You have a caregivers program that I think is excellent. The question I had was, is it, I know you guys are based out of um, New York City and it's all all of the boroughs in New York, uh, but the caregiver program, I wasn't too clear on if it was for inside New York or nationwide. It seemed like it was a nationwide thing. Yes, so the care recipient would be a person 60 years of age or older who lives in New York City. But the caregiver could live anywhere. They can live anywhere in the United States. So we have a lot of um, caregivers, for example, who may live in Florida, but the care recipient lives in New York. They could still be a part of our program and we're the connector. So if the care recipient runs out of something, you know, they have a a product that they need, or there's a a piece of equipment that they need, we're able to purchase it so that the caregiver doesn't have to fly back Mm. from Florida in order to help that care recipient. Um, We have caregivers from all over the country. Most, I would say, live in the Northeast because they tend to live closer to where their older relative is living. But uh, there's no restriction. Caregivers can live anywhere. They can live in the household. They can live next door or they can live cross country. That's great. It doesn't restrict. And it's a free service. All of the services are completely free of charge. So where we have caregivers who are living with the care recipient, it might be a spouse, might be an adult child or a grandchild, say that person needs to be away, we can send in a home care assistant for the day so that person can have their own doctor appointment or they can, you know, they can take a break 
Um, they can do their shopping. Mm. So being able to provide that respite has been really, really helpful for these caregivers. And then we also do overnight respite at our residential program up in Rockland County, which is about an hour north of New York City. We invite the care recipient and the caregiver to come and stay with us. So even if the caregiver lives far away, they can come and stay for free at our residential facility. It's 37 acres. Mm. We have uh, about uh, 16 different dormitory buildings. And the care recipient who is blind gets involved in all day activities that we organize and the caregiver gets a break. So they can spend their time at the pool. They can, you know, go pedal boating on the lake. They can Mm -hmm. get massage therapy. They can do stress management. We have yoga classes. Um, They can walk around the 35, 37 acres, um, but they can be together. Mm -hmm. So it's a way for caregivers that otherwise would have to spend the money to go into a hotel or someplace else can come to our site and be reunited with the care recipient and they can spend the weekend or a week together. Um, And that program will start up again in September. Um, Because we've been closed by the state, we haven't been able to provide that service over the summer, but starting in September, we'll start those respite weekends again. That's great. That's great. That's that's definitely great. So, um, I mean, I mean, is there anything you would like to add? You know, Nancy, anything else that you would like to add that you want our viewers to know about your organization that we haven't covered? Um, we do uh, hire young people to work at our facility over the summer. Uh, our program is going to be open in August. So anybody who's looking for an experience living in our facility for a month, and well, that particular program serves parents with blind children of all ages, of all disabilities, of all backgrounds. So we're particularly interested in hiring staff that speak another language. Um, Many of the families who come, English is not their primary language. The kids may speak English, Mm -hmm. but often the parents don't. So any language is always welcome because we have a very diverse uh, group that comes, including uh, children that are deafblind that use American Sign Language. Okay. So anybody who knows American Sign and is interested in working for us for that month, you know, we would welcome them. And next summer, hopefully we'll be able to reopen our three summer programs, one that takes place on a college campus, um, Manhattanville College in Westchester, and then two programs that run out of our Rockland facility. So if people are looking for summer jobs next year, please go on our website. We'll have the applications available. And that's how I got started uh, so many years ago. And it's, it's a great way to find out about a terrific type of work and a terrific career working with people who are blind. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, you know, we're getting a lot of emails right now from individuals who are looking to help either our nonprofit or do something, you know, helping people with special needs. And so that right there opens up a door. Um, something comes across my desk. I'm definitely going to shoot it your way. 
and make sure that they know about your program and see if, you know, if we can make some good matches there. So that's great. And, you know, we, we are surviving basically right now on donations, um, both in kind, we've gotten a lot of donations of masks and face shields and uh, sanitizer gloves. Um, We also get financial donations. Uh, We get a lot of support from Lions Clubs uh, who are local service groups mm-hmm. uh, here in the metropolitan area. Um, we get donations from foundations, um, individuals, groups, and uh, we're always looking for partnerships. So anybody that you think is interested in helping us out in any way, we've been doing a lot of virtual fundraisers and we've had some amazing musicians who have donated their time and they're mm. struggling because they can't work right now. Yeah, yeah they can't right. do gigs. Wow. Yep. They can't but do gigs. They're yep. taking out their time and doing these Zoom and face Facebook con- uh, concerts for us. And we've raised over twenty thousand oh, dollars. So okay. it's just been the the outpouring of support and the camaraderie and the help and the respect has, I think, been one of the positives that has come out of, you know, this horrendous situation that's Mm -hmm. affecting us all over the country, that there are good people out there like you, you know, people who care, and we're connecting with each other and making life better for for people who struggle. Most of the people we serve are poor. They they can't afford what others can. And we're just hopeful that this kind of spirit and understanding and patience and listening and openness to hearing about each other's struggles and pains, that this continues beyond just the COVID and just the demonstrations. We've got to change the world. And I think we're doing it one person at a time. That's I great. agree. I agree. That's the goal. Yeah. That's really the goal, Nancy. Me and Nikki, we've brainstormed over the years. Or, well, let's start this type of um, movement. Let's start this type of movement. You know, and we had a bunch of different ideas. And then we were working in the industry for so many years, for about 10 years, since like 2007. And um, and we said, well, let's start a nonprofit. That's that's a great legacy vehicle. That's a great way to give back. That's a great way to take the things that we love to do. I love creating videos, editing videos, creating media, period. You know, Nikki loves writing and things like that. So we basically looked at the skill set we currently had and said, well, how can we put that into uh, a business that's going to be a vehicle to help people? You know, and that's how we came up with the Dream Young Arts and Media concept. And so it allows us to do what we love, but at the same time, touching and changing the lives of others. So I see that you guys are doing the same thing. So. And just to uh, interject, we're on a campaign to address disability etiquette. And we also see that you guys are are campaigning against that as well. Can you just touch bases on that? Sure. So people who are not familiar with being around somebody who is blind um, do things that often are not very helpful. Like Mm -hmm. when I go with a blind friend into a restaurant, Um, or, you know, I I go into a Starbucks, often the server will start shouting at the blind person, thinking that they can't hear. Mm -hmm. We don't know why that is, but 
I know that that happens often with our immigrant populations, that if you don't speak English, somehow the person thinks if they shout English louder, <laughs> that you'll understand it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just remind people, you know, have the person say, I'm blind, I'm not deaf. You don't need to yell at me. Right. Um, don't help somebody without asking them first if they need help. Many blind people are extremely independent, but they may need help with a particular task. So before you offer help, just ask, can I help you? Um, the best way to do it, I know we're supposed to be six foot distant, but if you could just touch the person on the shoulder so they know you're talking to them um, would be really helpful. There's human guide. Sometimes blind people have a particular street that they have difficulty crossing and they ask for a sighted person to help them across. So what you would do is the sighted person would put out their elbow and the blind person would hold the elbow and you would escort the person across the street. We've seen people take the person by the hand and drag them We've seen them push the person. Hmm. We've seen people 10 feet away trying to give them verbal description wow. how to do it. The simplest way, if you're comfortable with COVID, the simplest way is just give an elbow and the person will just follow you across the street. And they'll usually be asking for help. They'll usually say, is there someone around that can help me? If you wanna be a really good Samaritan, answer their request and just help them across the street. Sure. Um, okay. Other types of, of etiquette, um, if the person has a dog guide, don't pet the dog, don't talk to the dog without talking to the blind person first and say, is it okay? Some dogs are very skittish and when they're working, they it's hard for them to be distracted. Mm -hmm. Other dogs that have been working as a dog guide for many years are used to being distracted and getting petted. And, and the blind person will usually say, sure, you know, her name is or his name is, and sure, you can pet them. Um, sometimes blind people will put a sign on the harness that the dog has that says, don't pet me. That means that that's a dog that gets easily distracted or gets um, skittish, you know, gets nervous if people are around. Um, and the most important thing to remember is a blind person is a person first, right, just right. like you and me. They That's just right. can't see. Right. So if you see a blind person, don't assume, just ask. Ask what what is the uh, appropriate way to interact if you have a question that you want to ask the person, ask them first if it's okay to ask. Not every blind person wants to be interrogated. I agree. You know, their their goal is not to be your educator. Their goal is to go to the store or get to work or to do what they need to do. But most blind people, if they're not in a rush, are very willing to answer your questions. And we do a lot of outreach to groups about blindness etiquette. You know, what is the appropriate way to interact with somebody who's blind? And mm -hmm. uh, we tell people, don't worry about using words like look and see. You don't have to be nervous 
about that because blind people use it too. It's part of our normal everyday language. So you don't have to feel awkward saying, I'll see you later. Oh, I mean, I'll touch you later. Just say, I'll yeah. see you later, just like anybody else. Anybody else. Right. Yep. That's yep. good. That's a great, okay. that's a great point. Yeah, because I do notice when we take uh, them out into the community, like in the past, people tend to stare like, what are you, you know, like what's going on here? They can, you know, some of them have uh, more of a physical disability or even if it's um, developmental and they can tell they start to stare, you know, very impolitely. And it makes and they notice. You know, they're sure. intellectuals. So. You just have to ignore it. You just right. have to ignore it. You know, right. you're walking in a mall with your consumer and people want to stare. You just kind of like just walk by them and like, right. oh, well, you know. Yeah. You but people need them. to learn how to actually, you know, um, act in that environment when you're around someone with, uh, you know, a difference. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are so many differences out there. And, you know, we just have to get used to the fact that we are all different in some way, right, right. in in one way or another. I tell people that I'm height challenged because I'm only five <laughs> feet tall. <laughs> so I need help to reach those high Um And we all have something, but, you know, it's what we try to let people know is you have to see beyond the surface, you know, see beyond the skin color, see beyond mm-hmm. the the characteristic of that person, maybe they walk awkwardly, maybe they talk awkwardly, Mm -hmm. um, but there's a person inside and every person deserves respect and to live a life with dignity. And, you know, we'll call you on it. If, If we see that somebody is being discriminated against or treated not properly or not with respect, we have to learn to be mm-hmm. comfortable to call it out and say, hey, you know, that's not right. You know, we don't tolerate that. That's that's not acceptable behavior. If we let it happen, then people will keep doing it. I agree. I agree. And if we call it out and they get called out over and over again, maybe we can change behaviors. I can't mm-hmm. fix what's in your head, mm-hmm. but I can definitely fix what you do. Right. Yeah, and we just started a, um, something called the We Are Different Challenge um, uh-huh. on Instagram. I don't know if you're familiar, if you've seen the video or not, but we just started that challenge. And it's all about raising awareness and building inclusion. Um, Dr. Bosch is somebody that we've recently interviewed, and she wrote a book called um, Being Charlie. And Being oh. Charlie is all about, I believe it's a duck or something like that that has special needs mm-hmm. and is different from the rest of the ducks. So she ties in that whole concept of, of inclusion. And, um, and, and we started the We Are Different Challenge together. And that's what it's all about, you know, doing a video, um, posting something on social media and telling the world how you're different or challenged in a particular area. Like you just mentioned, a height challenge, you know, um, and we all have those areas that we struggle in, that we struggle in. And, um, and that's what the challenge is all about. And so and so we're encouraging people to go on social media and post something about that to make the people who do have those daily challenges and those challenges that are, are noticeable in, in most situations a little bit more comfortable. You know, we're knowing that we're all in the same boat and we're all human going through this human experience. Right. I have the opposite, um, the opposite problem of you, Nancy. <laughs> I'm six feet tall. So, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I but it, it, you know, throughout my lifetime has really bothered me, you know, to be six feet tall is kind of like an anomaly for a female. Yeah, especially you know. in, in, in um, elementary school. Oh, forget, <laughs> I was taller than all my teachers, everyone my whole life. 
So, you uh, know, it, it it affects you, you it know, does. but just yeah. the opposite way. Yeah. Right. Well, it's yeah. the acceptance that is so important that mm-hmm. we all comes in different shapes and sizes and colors. And, right. you know, that's that's what's great about living in the United States and what's great about humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I think we forget, you know, we take take it for granted and right then something happens and you say, it's not the world that we want it to be. You know, people are acting in ways that we don't accept and we have to speak out, mm-hmm. right. you know, and it's up to yeah. every one of us. It's not someone else's job. It's all of our jobs. Right. That's great, Nancy. I think, I think the interview went well. I think we covered a lot of ground. I think the information that you shared today is going to, it's going to be a blessing to a lot of people, simply put. And um, we just want to thank you again for being part of the Dream Young Media Podcast. And we thank you for partnering with us with That's the right. internship program. We're, right. we're very happy to be excited, part of the excited vision. about the future. Yeah. That's right. That's great. And if people want to know more about visions, they can go to our website, www.visionsvcb.org. That's visions with an S. V is in Victor, C is in cat, B is in boy.org. Very good. And I'll make okay. sure I put all. And I'll make sure I put all your contact information, of course, on the video, underneath the video in the description as well, so people can really reach out to Visions. And once again, if I come across anybody who can benefit from either the program directly or partner with you guys on some level, I'll definitely send that your way as well, Nancy. Absolutely. But Great. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Nancy. Have a good one now. great meeting you. You have a wonderful great. day. Stay great safe. You too. All right. Stay Bye-bye. safe now. Bye-bye. We will. Bye. You too.